I always like to start at the beginning. So let's start with Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Genesis 1-27. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You know, we know God has a heart because we have a heart. But what exactly is a heart? It's one of the most important components of a human being. That blood needs to flow, the parts of the body needs to be, we'll say, replenished. So today we're going to see how our hearts are doing. How are your hearts doing? How's my heart doing? I always like to put myself in the teaching because it applies to me. I'm not exempt. Webster's Third New International Dictionary describes the heart. A hollow muscular organ of vertebrate animals that by its rhythmic contraction acts as a force pump, maintaining the circulation of the blood. Now, if you believe you may have something wrong with your heart, usually you go to a physician, and he pulls out his trusty stethoscope. That's kind of usually the first thing. Excuse me. A stethoscope, by Webster's Third New International Dictionary, is an instrument used for the detection and study of sounds within the body, as heart, chest, abdomen. They are conveyed to the ears of the physician. What he hopes to find is a healthy heart. Not always the case. Sometimes he finds things like irregular heart rhythm, murmurs. There's, I'm sure there's other things. If a problem is found, it says, I wrote it, he can do nothing without your permission. You can say, I'll take my clothes now, I'm going home. And there's nothing you can do about it. Because your recovery begins with you. Now, the, in the spiritual... Our great physician, the Lord Jesus Christ, also uses a stethoscope to examine our hearts spiritually. He calls it the Word of God. We call it the Bible. If you want to know what kind of shape your heart's in, that's a good place to start. Because in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Matthew 9.12 says, But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. So just like the earthly physician, your heavenly physician can do nothing unless you ask him. You have to give him permission. There's no difference. And this is what he looks for <coughs> with his stethoscope. When he searches your heart, my heart. Psalm 81, 12. 
So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart to walk in their own devices. Stubbornness means unmoving. They won't accept change. Psalm 101.4. Perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. A perverse heart is a corrupt heart. It's one that turns away from what's good and proper. Psalm 101.5. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. No one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. Arrogant. says, showing a high opinion of one's own dignity, importance, or superiority. They think they're entitled. They're above everyone else. Ezekiel 6, 9. Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations to which they will be carried captive. How I have been hurt by their adulterous hearts, which turned away from me, and by their eyes, which prayed, played the harlot after their idols, and they will loathe themselves in their own sight for the evil which they have committed for all their abominations. Adulterous heart. It's unchastity of thought or act. Matthew 3.12. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Evil. Morally wrong or bad. I believe in what was the other one. Unbelieving. It's skeptical. Not accepting any or particular re religious beliefs. I prefer to say they ignore the truth. Romans 2.5. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in a day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Stubbornness, callousness, or harshness. Unrepentant, not repenting of sin, not contrite. Unlike all of the different things that may be wrong with our hearts, the great physician calls it all just sin. You can go individually or you can just say it's all sin. Even then, he has a plan to heal. Even all of that, yet he needs you to remind him. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. Praise God, the majority, maybe all of the people in here that happen to us. Hallelujah. 1 John 1 8. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth's not in us. Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. 
But then, and more importantly, with your permission, he lets us know what he'll do to correct the problem. For without your permission, he can do nothing. It has to be your decision. He doesn't want a bunch of robots going after him. He wants people that love him, that wants to just do what he would ask of us. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. John 4.10. Jesus answered and sent to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living waters. John 10.10. This is what he says about himself. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. He doesn't want you staying sick. So what does he need from you? It's to confess to him that you're a sinner. He wants you to admit it, that you're a sinner in need of a savior. Acknowledge to him that he, Jesus, can forgive and give you a new life. You need to believe by faith that he will do this just like he promised. Psalm 41.4 As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Psalm 51, 9-10 Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew steadfast spirit within me. You ask him, you'll receive. How does he intend to accomplish this? We've talked about different aspects, but how's he going to do it? He's already done it by a sacrifice, but what will he do personally to each and every one who asks? Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. You'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Hebrews 10 21 through 23. In case you haven't figured, I like giving a lot of scriptures. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart 
in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We were created in his image, remember? What he would grant you, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Notice his glory, not yours. To be strengthened with power through his spirit not you, in the inner man. Excuse me. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He wants to live in you. He wants to make your body a temple of his Holy Spirit. Glorious. Okay, let's see. Lost my place. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Let's not forget that the heart is a pump, after all. Now, a pump that's on and is not pumping anything eventually will burn out. If it just keeps running and there's nothing to cool it, that pump will burn. Now, our great physician covers that point as well. By giving us his blood in every way. 1 Peter 1, 2 through 5. According to the knowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, nothing you've done, nothing I've done, just grace, unmerited blessing. That's the translation, unmerited blessing. Has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Who are protected by the power of God. You're his, you're protected by his power. Does that mean everything goes great? No, of course not. But we could go in tons of scriptures just on that. Okay. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Hebrews 12, 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. 
Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. Unmerited blessing, remember? And raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We give him all the honor, all the glory. We can do nothing. We are nothing except what he's made us. And in him we're everything. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's what we do, right? We do something, and we brag about it to everybody. Oh, yeah, I, I did this. I, I helped that old lady across the street. I, I brought these people groceries. I, you know, we get to tell everybody every time we do something. We forget the scripture, which I didn't put here because it's just coming in my mind now, is don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that of, not of yourselves, that is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I'm really done here, but I'd like to admonish or say something right before I stop. You know, one thing I hear, you know, I've worked in, you know, I'm mostly used to be a factory guy. Worked with many people, many of them Christians, uh, some denominational Christians, believe in salvation the correct way. But if eventually if you talk to them, here's what's going to happen. You talk to them about sin or something, and it's going to be, well, all, everybody sins. Well, the Word of God does say that. But if you're His, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, Here's the thing. If 10, 15 years later, you still are doing the same sin, then you need deliverance. You need for the Holy Spirit to set you free. Because, no, it's one thing the righteous falls seven times, but, but he gets up again. But if you're still doing that same sin, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm not going to name any. I could. You need to repent. You need to say, what's wrong? Help me in this. So anyway, uh, let me close with this. With this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your son, your blood, your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your sacrifice. Father, I thank you that you've 
translated me from the kingdom of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of light. Father, I would ask that you would bless these people as they go, as they come. Be before them, be behind them, Lord. Father, that you would just minister your grace to them abundantly today. Father, I pray for the offering, Lord. I figure I need to throw that in, Lord, that you would bless it, that you would increase it, Lord, for there's a lot of needs. But more importantly, Father, I just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. Let's stand together and we'll close in.